Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. It's like I can only... And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, uh, episode 241. I'm your host, Blaine Pudney. Uh, joined up by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. And Matt Smith. Morning. And we are joined by our very special guest, our favorite guest of all time, Lyle Richardson, a.k.a. Spectres Hockey. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me back. We are really happy to have you, especially right before trade deadline day. I know it's super busy for you, um, but we'd like to just cover a little bit about the trade deadline, seeing as how Montreal is big time players. Indeed. Um, so why don't we just dive right into this and... Uh, we'll kick it off with Florida, seeing as how there's a tie in there. Uh, last night, Ekblad went down injured. Uh, who Nobody knows how long that's going to be. But do, have you heard anything about what they're planning now with Giroux and now with Ekblad out? Yeah, well, with Ekblad, first thing, um, the, report, the early reports I saw was that uh, Andrew Burnett was saying he, he, it doesn't look like it's serious. So it may just be, he might be out a, a game or two. He might be out a week or two. We'll find out more probably, hopefully by this evening or tomorrow anyway. Um, if it's only a short-term thing, then we, we won't see them uh, jumping back into the market to look for another defenseman. If it's uh, much more serious, uh, who knows? Maybe they might have to uh, reconsider uh, their plans and maybe look at shoring up the back end. But for now, uh, all the talk seems to be centered on uh, their pursuit or their seeming pursuit anyway of uh, Claude Giroux of the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, supposedly the Panthers and the Colorado Avalanche are the front runners. In fact, they seem to be the only two teams really that you're hearing anything about this right now. Um, the uh, Panthers, they're supposedly not close to a deal. Yep, there was a lot of talk after Giroux's thousandth game on Thursday night that, oh, a deal's imminent, he's going to Florida, he's going to Florida, and then it turned out, uh, no, they're actually not that close to negotiations right now. Talks are supposedly ongoing to get a deal done. The Avs, interestingly enough, supposedly they've made their pitch already, and supposedly it will involve um, a first-round pick and uh, one of their top prospects, Justin Barron, uh, top prospect defenseman. Um, 
so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, apparently, though, the Avs aren't, aren't sweating this. The word out of Colorado is they're not going to sweat it. If if Giroux wants to come, great. If they lose out, they're not worried about it because they feel that they've got enough depth right now uh, to, to go on. I mean, getting Giroux would be just like an extra, would be a bonus. You know, now, if they don't get Giroux, I, I don't think that necessarily takes them out of the market for another forward. But obviously, they'd be able to, to pick up somebody a lot more affordable, both in terms of contract and, and uh, return. But that's uh, where things stand with that right now. The only, the only other interesting thing, and kind of a, if you're a Habs fan, kind of a thumb in the eye to one of our great rivals, uh, Jeroen Nix to trade to the Boston Bruins. Not going to the Bruins and not going to the Rangers. So those two are reportedly off the table. They're, he's not interested in joining those two teams. Colorado's interesting because they're going after Giroux, but I personally think they should go after someone like Marc-Andre Fleury to, because uh, uh, really the last couple of playoffs, it's been goaltending that's kind of taken them out of the playoffs, not really their, their scoring or defense. And I always found it interesting that Giroux's the top guy heard going to Colorado and no mention of, say, a Fleury or a, a top goaltender. Well, I think yeah. that tells you, sorry, I don't mean to jump on top of you like yeah. that, uh, but I think that tells you the confidence that they have in their goaltending. Now, yeah. you know, this being the NHL trade market, we're, we're, I'm, I've been doing this a long time. You guys have been following it a long time. We all know deals can come up that can surprise us and go, wow, never saw that coming. Yeah. And maybe, you know, uh, Joe Sackick's got, you know, something up the sleeve that brings somebody like Fleury or maybe Varlamov or whoever, uh, you know, to, to Colorado for their goaltending. But I think that they are confident in the performance of Darcy Kemper, who has improved over the second half of the season. The first half, yeah, he was shaky. Uh, I think that was just kind of adjusting to a new team and, and new town and all that good stuff. But he certainly settled down in the second half. And uh, Pavel, Fran- I hope I pronounced his name right, Francis? Francis. Um, Francis, right. Yeah. Uh, they just re-signed him to a two-year extension. So, I mean, he, get, he, he, he has that injury history, but when he's healthy, he plays very well. And they like him in that backup role. So I think Sakic is confident with his goaltending this year that that's why he's looking at making that pursuit of somebody like Giroux, or if he can't get Giroux, maybe he's a little more affordable uh, depth option up front. Well, it looks like there might be a, a bidding war with Vegas now with Leonard out. They might want to <laughs> try and get Fleury back. <laughs> uh, well, that will Im- that would involve Kelly McCrimmon and Bill Foley swallowing their pride. And I don't think that's going to happen if we go by McCrimmon's uh, remark last month when uh, Daily Faceoff Frank Saravalli came out and said, oh, there's, yeah, it sounds like they're trying to get him back. And McCrimmon quickly and harshly slapped that down. Um, but interesting, though, this morning, what I'm hearing, uh, you know, through the through through Tay's interwebs is uh, they're pushing, making a push for Semyon Varlamov. So. You know, uh, apparently the Isles asking price is a first round pick. Um, they can kind of set that because if you've got enough teams desperate for a goalie, somebody will, will jump up and pay that. And he wouldn't be a rental because he's got another year left on his contract. And at 32, he's still, you know, he's still a solid starting goaltender. Yes, he lost the starter's job uh, to Sorokin in, uh, you know, with the Islanders, but that was expected. And, you know, he's, he's still a good goalie. Yeah. He was hurt at the start of the season and a little slow off to start, but you know, he's still a solid goaltender. You put him, you know, with a, with a good team in front of him and he'll do all right. Um, He's got a 16 team, no trade clause, but 
Vegas seems to be like a spot a lot of people would love to go to. I've never heard anybody yet say with a no trade clause saying I'm not going to Vegas. <laughs> so uh, I think Varlamov, if if this is the case, if they are actually pushing to, to get him, I think he wouldn't have any problem going to Vegas. But we'll see what happens. Um, but um, yeah, there is concern there. I mean, Lanner uh again they keep denying that he's seriously hurt first it was oh his shoulder he's going to need uh rotator cuff surgery in the offseason then the latest one is oh he's got a, a you know damaged his knee and it doesn't look good um you know wh- whatever comes of it laner keeps denying it the team keeps denying it, but as banged up as he is yeah they're, they're going to need to bring in somebody um you know they're they, they don't have a enough uh a reliable enough backup i think you know so yeah yeah. Now that kind of ties into Chicago. They've been, they got, they became big players yesterday with the Hagel mm-hmm. trade. Um, what is the possibility that they move Patrick Kane? Um, well, I don't see Kane going anywhere at the trade deadline. Uh, that cause just because of his contract and that cap hit is a monster 10.5 million start selling Pierre, <laughs> Pierre McGuire. It's a monster, <laughs> but it is, uh, you know, there's not a lot of room there, cap space to take that on off season. That's a horse of a different color. And we may be talking more about that in the off season, uh, regarding the Hegel deal. I have to say I was, I, that one took me by surprise because all the talk I was hearing out of Chicago is they're not going to trade this guy unless they get an offer that's too good to refuse. And then along comes Julian Brisebois and goes, here's the offer you can't refuse. Two conditional first rounders, top 10 protected. And just to clarify, when people hear top 10 protected, they don't know what that means. It means they're conditional, right? If, if they finish in the top 10, then, you know, the, uh, the losing team or the acquiring team gets to have their choice. So just to kind of clarify that for some religious, because I get that a lot. What does that mean? Top 10 protected. Uh, but anyway, so you get two top 10 protected. Um, you get uh, Radish, who's a kid that, you know, a lot of us have had an eye on for a while that the Lightning uh, had one of their main prospects. Um, oh, gosh. Now I've gone to brain fart first thing morning. Can't remember the other guy. Horse Kachuk. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Rough morning. Anyway, <laughs> Saturday morning and I'm busy as hell. <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, but that that's just an outstanding offer. Those two young players, those young forwards, they were having trouble cracking that deep lightning roster. So they're going to get that opportunity and to have those two first. They really wanted to get a hold of her. They don't they, they don't have a first in this year's draft, but they got now an, an extra first for next next year and the year after. Um so that's going to help replenish and restock that that prospect pipeline that was basically gutted by Stan Bowman. So, yeah, that's a good move. And for the Lightning, good Lord. I mean, you get this guy who's a, just a solid two-way player, an energy guy. I think he's 20 goals this season as well. He's on pace for 30. Yeah. And, you know, he's on a very affordable contract, 1.5 mil, for two more seasons beyond this one. What a move by Breeze. I mean they're going for it. They bring in a, a, you know, they bring in, that's been the one knock against them this year is they didn't, you know, suitably replace Blake Coleman. They didn't suitably replace Barkley Goudreau when they lost those two last night. Well, now they have. So they're going for the three P they're going for it. Former Habs legend Hagel. (laughs) I played that one game. Yeah. (laughs) Play that one prospect game. How can we let him go? (laughs) Oh God. 
Oh, that's um, Sabres fans had. They're the ones who drafted him. That's right. <laughs> they didn't even sign him. Um, now, that kind of brings me to the arms race in the Atlantic. You got Tampa Bay making this big move. You've yeah. got Florida making big moves. Where does that leave Boston and Toronto? I mean, Toronto now has a Vesna Trophy candidate for sure in that uh, three-game winner. <laughs> I mean, come on. TSN's been declaring him already. Oh, well, that Lord. actually might look bad because Dubas could look at that and say, well, there, we, I think we fixed our goaltending and Campbell's going to come back happens. and hopefully play better. And uh, I mean, according to social media, according to Twitter, the, fa- the, the Leaf fans seem to think they got their uh, golden goose for the playoffs. So <laughs> didn't they say oh. that with Campbell? Yeah. Oh, desperation. <laughs> smell it wafting out of Hawkeye. It's lovely. Does that give no, them no. desperation at the deadline, though? Uh, no, listen, I think Kyle Dubas tipped his hand a couple of weeks ago when he said that he was looking at defense. Okay. And on that, all the focus now, all the speculate, even before, um, you know, the, uh, the, the little goaltending issues there. Uh, all the speculation had him going after a defenseman going, he's been, they, they've been linked to uh, the Hampus Lindholm out of Anaheim. They've been linked to Mark Giordano, who would, apparently his preference is to return home. He's, he's a Toronto area boy. He's a, he's a product of the GTA. So yeah, he'd love to, to go back there. But um, the thing is though, is uh, Dubas is not going to give up a first round pick or a top prospect for a rental. He's made that very clear. So he's looking for somebody who's got term on the contract or barring that he'll just sit and wait and see if, uh, you know, if a team like, uh, like uh, Seattle gets desperate, if they can't move uh, Giordano for a first to see if they'll drop their price and maybe take a second, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I think that's where, where Dubas is going. I don't think he has any intention of trying to bring in another goaltender. Quite frankly, um, there's not much there in the market. That's an improvement. Yeah. There's, there's flurry. You can make that case for Varlamov, but re- apparently I don't know if there's any truth to this, but kind of the scuttlebutt I heard is he does was Varlamov does not want to go to a Canadian team. That was kind of the scuttlebutt I heard. They already, he already sh- reportedly rejected Edmonton. Um, so I think he's not an option. So it's either flurry or nobody. Because if you look in the trade market, there is nobody else out there who's going to give them better goaltending than what they already have. So um, I think he's going to uh, hope that Campbell comes back, that he'll regain his form because he was hampered by a rib injury. Um, Rajek is just awful. So I think with the the kid, Hallman, pronounce his name, last name for me again. I have Hallman, 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 Hallman. We're horrible, aren't we? Anyway, <laughs> anyway the, the young kid, uh, I think they would prefer going with Campbell and the youngster and, and, and leave Mrazic as a, uh, as you know, as a press box commando for the rest of the season in the playoffs. So that's what I see happening with Toronto. Now, again, you know, Dubas give, give, give the guy credit. Uh, he's been able to pull off some pretty impressive salary cap gymnastics over the past several years. So I wouldn't rule out the possibility that maybe he can find a deal that brings in somebody like Fleur or maybe a goalie. We had no idea he was interested in, but Honestly, I think he's going to stick with what he's got and, and look at trying to bring in a significant defenseman. That takes us to the Habs. Ah, uh, yes. So there's been a lot of movement so far. Uh, Sherrod trade. Uh, I mean, that you, I, I give full credit to, to Hughes on scoring exactly what he was looking for. 
Mm -hmm. The Toffoli deal got exactly what he required. Yep. That takes us to this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, There's obviously Lekkonen, but Mm -hmm. have you heard anything about the acquisition of McBain? Uh, Well, the Habs are certainly in on that, but there's a couple of other teams uh, in there as well. So, you know, I, 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 I have, as I'm sure you guys have, that the Habs are, are interested and they are, you know, doing what they can to, to try and acquire him. But uh, there may be a little bit of a bidding war there for him. Um, haven't really heard very much more, actually, to be honest, since Thursday. I mean, it, it seems like right now all the, t- all the focus is kind of shifting on the bigger names. Um, and that could be a move that we would hear about probably by deadline day, but it would likely be one of those ones that gets mentioned in passing on the TSN or sports net desk when they're doing it. Oh, by the way, Montreal acquired McBain from Minnesota, you know, and people will go, who, you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, Lekanem, we, we discussed this uh, last time I was on the show, Blaine. And um, I said at the time, if he is only willing to sign a one-year extension to take him up to unrestricted free agency next summer, trade him now, trade him now and get the best deal you can for him. Um, Because to me, it's pointless. If, if, you know, why wait until the summer and then have to deal with, uh, you know, uh, getting, trying to move in then when now it's, you know, it's restricted free agency with arbitration, rights. You got to try and move him and, and try and do it before he he's able to file for arbitration or what have you. And, on and on and then why have that whole go through that whole tap dance anyway just to give him a one-year deal you know um at the end of the day could you get a better offer for him in the summer maybe but i think do it now that that's that's a case where i think you could actually get a better deal now for a player than you would if you waited until the summer and listen i it would be a shame to see him go you know it really would but look the habs have got to save some the, the habs need to free up some cap space here you know, now we, we know the reports as a quick aside here that, yeah, the Arizona Coyotes would reportedly be willing to take Shea Weber's contract off their books. So Montreal wouldn't have to do the whole LTIR tap dance again for next season. But it, you know, it would be much better for Montreal to get Weber's contract off their books so they don't have to worry about that. Gives them more cap flexibility. Uh, whereas for Arizona, they just want to meet the cap floor because they're a low spending team that's now going to be playing in a 5,000 seat arena for the next three years. So yeah, any dead contracts they can grab that can help get them mathematically over the cap floor, they, they would be willing to do. And I think it would be like, yeah, throw in a, a draft pick, you know, that usually seems to be the going rate, a draft pick or two. Um, and yeah, we'll do that deal and we'll send you a seventh rounder or something just to make it kosher. So, you know, Montreal, as I said, they're looking at freeing up cap space going forward. And, you know, you can't be in- investing too much in a guy like Lekkonen, even though, yeah, 26, he's not that old. But let's face it, I think we all can see where the direction this team is going at. So I would say you try and move him for the best deal you can if he's only going to take a one-year deal. Um, now, based on the Hagel trade, a mm-hmm. two first, two B-level prospects, it doesn't seem out of place to ask for a first for Lekkonen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at what's the, the market value has already been set on some of these guys already. 
and it's quite high. It, it's been kind of interesting because you know in the last couple of last couple of years, well, especially last year, last year's trade deadline, you know, guys got moved for less in most cases for for less than what was anticipated. And this year, it's just like no, nope, everybody's kind of comfortable now where they are. So sure, let's toss first rounders around like they're candy. So that's what they're kind of doing. So yeah, if you can get a first for Lekkonen, absolutely do it. Do it. That's the thing with Hughes too, is Hughes mm-hmm. does not make a move unless he gets exactly, and he's proven that with Sherratt and Toffoli. Yep. And if his asking is for a first and a prospect for Lekkonen, he's not going to move him unless he gets his first and prospect. And it'll be a prospect he wants, not necessarily yep. a prospect that they want to give him. I mean, yep. so far he's got two B-level prospects based on skill and speed, which is what he wants to change for the team. So mm-hmm. uh I give Lincoln in a 60% chance he's gone at the trade deadline. That, that that's I've been saying that for weeks now. Uh, but uh, I because if you re-sign him, he's gonna want four million dollars. Yep. And, and now you have three guys at the bottom six making three and a half million or more. Yep. So unless you can shed, you know, one or two of those other guys, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would put it at 60, 65% chance he's gone by the deadline. Yeah. What are the chances that we might see somebody like uh, a Brett Kulak or Chris Weidman possibly move on from the Canadians? Uh, it's, it's certainly possible. It's not outside the realm, but um, I, as I'm sure you guys heard, uh, uh, Ken Hughes said in, his, in an interview uh, two or three days ago that this isn't a fire sale that he's doing. He's not shipping out everybody or as many as he can. Kulak, he says they like the kid, you know? So I think there's a good possibility that they could keep him. Um, same thing with Weidman, um, you know, that they, they've, they've been kind of happy with, with how he's, he's adjusted and come along. I would say the two Weidman would probably be the more likely to move, but you never know. But that being said, I mean, listen, they said that, you know, Ken Hughes also said, I'm not in any hurry to move, to move Tyler to Foley when those rumors started floating around. And then he moved him because he got what he wanted for them. So to, to Treg's point, it's like, yeah, if, if somebody steps up and says, Hey, I'll give you a second round pick for Kulak. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, you got him. So sticking with defense and that press conference, the only player that Hughes has ever really talked about openly that he said that he would move would be Jeff Petrie. Mm. Um, I think it's a little bit far-fetched to think that he's going to be moved at the deadline, but I just kind of want to know your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it's look, it's not outside the realm of possibility. If there's one thing I've learned in this business, it's, you know, never assume that a guy who's got, in, in the case of Petrie, a guy who's got another, what, four years left on his contract, 6.25 mil a season, uh, 10 team no trade clause. Don't assume that it's 100% certainty he won't get moved at the trade deadline. Now, that being said, I would put it as highly unlikely, but I do think that's a move that, that happens in the offseason. I, I, I do think that, you know, the, they kind of crossed the Rubicon um, with Petrie or Petrie kind of crossed the Rubicon with them. Um, look, I, I don't fault Petrie for being unhappy playing uh, for Ducharme. It just didn't work out. It was a case of just oil and water didn't mix, but you know, still you, you could tell, you know, uh, with Jeff Gorton when he was first hired And then uh, when Ken Hughes was brought on board, they were kind of dropping the hints to Petrie before Ducharme got the ax that, you know, maybe you should kind of suck it up and go out and play your best rather than sulking. That wasn't, that wasn't the exact quote, of course, but it was the point. It was insinuated. It was insinuated. 
exactly. And I think that, yeah, I could see him being moved in the, in, in the offseason, which is a shame because, listen, Petrie's been a, a, a terrific player for the Habs for, for years, been the good soldier, played his best, but it just goes to show sometimes things can, can just go off the rails. And unfortunately, it did with Petrie. And I, yeah, it's probably best if he and the team move on. Um, but yeah, I think Petrie, that, that's a deal that happens uh, this summer. It, it'll be easier to do then. You'll have more teams with more cap space, even though the cap's only going up by one mil. But there's still going to be teams that are going to have cap space. And yeah, that they'll be able to move him to an American team. Um, you know, I, I had suggested the, the Red Wings several months ago, but, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know if that's a move that Steve Eisenman is really keen to make as, you know, I, I think he's got his eyes on, on other, other things besides a 34 year old veteran carrying a big cap hit. They do well, have three have... UFA defensemen. Detroit they do. does have three UFA yeah. defensemen next year. So yeah, you never know. You never know. I mean, I, I, I'm not completely dismissing it, but again, yeah. I, I think the odds are low. Craig, you had something else? Uh, I was just going to say that, just what I was saying about Detroit. I, I, I mean, Philadelphia's had interest in Petrie. I do believe the offseason is the best time to trade Petrie. Unless, again, I, w- I, I will not bet against uh, Hughes trading anyone if he yeah. got the right deal to come back. So we all sit here and say, well, he said, like I know, Blaine, when we were on the, the Hockey Writers uh, podcast there, I said, I don't think Kulak's going to get trade. You kind of went like this, but because uh, Ken Hughes is kind of saying, hey, I'm not looking for a goalie. I'm not trading. Doesn't look, I don't, I'm not interested in trading Kulak. Never mentioned Lekkanen at all. Uh, but he did say he likes Lekkanen. He's a good guy in the room and all this kind of stuff. But uh, I believe, like you said, if someone comes up and says, I'll give you a second round pick for Kulak, he's gone. You know, I'll give you a first round and uh, Todd Bertuzzi for, uh, or no, who's on? Uh, yeah, Todd Bertuzzi. Tyler. The guy that, oh, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Bertuzzi, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm back no, in the no. 90s. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, maybe, yeah, here's Jeff Petrie. You want to, well, you know, you guys keep 25% of his contract. I'm, I'm just throwing stuff yeah. out there. Like, I mean, if yeah. the right, anyone's available, I think, if the right, if the right deal comes along. Mm-hmm. But I, I do believe this trade deadline is not going to be as busy for the Habs as people think it think it was going to be. Mm. Personally, that's my personal. Well, the move's already been made. Sherrod's exactly. gone. That that was the big yeah. one. Was Sherrod yeah. and Toffoli the month before? So yeah. I think are we hearing your dog snore? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are. Yes, okay, you are. <laughs> I'm first time sitting there and I'm like, this is that my dog here. is. Uh, my dog is uh, having a snooze right oh, there. Yeah. there she is. <laughs> That's okay. No, I was just wondering where that was coming from. I was like, is it me? <laughs> Can no. make the trade for Jerome. <laughs> Joining the dark side on that one. Yeah, that way you'd have to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of trades, uh, Dvorak, there was talk of him being yeah. available. Mm-hmm. But I have a hard time believing that they're willing to trade a center, seeing as how they're so short on bodies. Have you heard anything more about him? Just what just what you guys have heard. That his name kind of surfaced this past week, and that made me cock an eyebrow. Oh, okay. Again, you uh, you know, to Treg's point, you don't rule out anything. I mean, if 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 the right offer came along, I'm sure Ken Hughes would listen. I still, I, I think it would be kind of premature. And again, it's to, to, to what Hughes was saying. He's not engaged in a fire sale here. 
you know i mean we we knew you know that a couple of guys were going to move maybe another one or two go out but you know Dvorak I, I just think this is a guy that needs you know I mean he was sidelined for a big chunk of this season um didn't play, he, had, he hasn't played very much under Martin Saint-Louis so far so it would be kind of good to see how well he performs you know uh under Saint-Louis for the rest of the season and then maybe kind of go from there and see what happens you know he played pretty good last game he did. He had a 78% uh, face-off rate. Yeah. And uh, he, he, I thought he played well. Yes. He, he didn't have the puck a lot, but I, I thought he played well. Doesn't matter if you have the puck a lot, yeah. you know. I mean, this, we're not going to, you know, I hope I don't offend any analytics gurus here or anything like that, but it doesn't goddamn matter, you know. Did you have a good game? Yeah. Did you did you screw up? Did you make too many turnovers? Did, did you take dumb penalties? Did you try? Okay, yeah. good. You had a good game. Yeah. But his player card. His player card. <laughs> How many puck touches did he have? Look yeah. at this chart. Look at the chart. <laughs> sure, all the I'm sure all the analytics guys when Sherrod oh. got a first round pick, their head just it's blue. Oh yeah, they did. <laughs> well, look at well, look at the reaction uh, for Giroux. And, I, and, and let's not go off on, on too much on a tangent. Again, to preface, I, I believe analytics has its place in the game. I am not against analytics at all. But as I've mentioned before on this show, there is also the danger of putting far too much reliance on analytics and not on what's actually happening on the ice and what the player is actually doing. And the reaction that I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, the Panthers acquiring Sherratt was basically on Twitter, you know, from, from a lot of analytics guys that I follow and girls that I follow. They're like, why? Sherratt's awful. Why did they give up? So he's terrible. And it's like, guys, his type of game is tailor-made for the postseason when the game slows down when it gets more physical when the refs kind of put the whistles away that's why Sherratt played so goddamn well for the Habs last season in the playoffs and that's why he was so well sought after leading up to the trade deadline yeah okay you can make the case that okay his regular season game might not be the best so quite frankly I thought that he was among the few bright spots for the Canadians this season what's been otherwise a miserable season at least before San Luis got behind the bench you know um so I don't think that he's horrible you know I, I do think that yeah there are some aspects of, of of his game that the analytics crew are correct about but at the end of the day the Panthers acquired him because they want his skills in the postseason because they got a taste of what they're going to be going up against over the last two years. And they know it's a slog. So they're going to need guys who are going to be able to slow down the opponent's best players and try and open up some space for their, their, their own best players. And Sherratt's that type of guy. So, you know, there's just some things that analytics can't uh, properly quantify if that's the proper word to use. And in that case, yeah. There's so a reason the, there's there's analytic people on Twitter and GMs in the NHL. Yep. And Indeed. one of the GMs that, well, former GM, Mark Bergevin, one of my favorite quotes from him is uh, there's players that get you to the playoffs and players mm-hmm. that get you through the playoffs. And this is yep. this is a perfect example of that kind of move. Thomas Tatar, former Hav, was a perfect yeah. example of that. He was a he played he played terrific in the regular season. Playoffs would come and he'd disappear. And he was that way with Detroit too. So some players love the regular season because it's not quite as, as physical or as much of a grind. And some players love the postseason because that's their type of game. So Mitch Marner. 
the, the entire Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> yeah. oh, I knew it was going to come back to that. <laughs> hey, look at look at all this open space, guys. Look how I can skate. <laughs> and, well, the then ben, is, and then Ben Girard skates into them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 A- ask anybody on the Toronto Maple Leafs what it was like to play against Ben Girard in last year's playoffs. Ask them what it was like. Yeah. Well, the good news is the uh, that Matthews has learned how to cross check. Yes, yeah. and that's going to, yes, yes. And according to Damien Cox, the Toronto star, that's going to make a difference in the playoffs, boys and girls. That showed Definitely leadership. Showed his leadership. That showed yeah. leadership, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 Whereas when Nazem Kadri did it four years ago, he was a uh, loose cannon and they couldn't wait to get him off the team because yeah. he was hurting them. Yeah. <sighs> that they, bless them. Isn't that Damien what they didn't got waiting for a pitcher, did he? No. <laughs> If you don't want to, that's okay. No, that's okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> Just no, a <thank> headshot. <laughs> what kind of head blame? <laughs> no. I don't know. You'd have to ask Damien. Oh, there we go. Oh, see you. Get or Logan Mayu. <laughs> oh, ouch. Ouch. Let's, let's, okay. We've, we've gone too far now. Let's, let's reel this back. All right. Uh, so, it's all good, clean fun until you mention that name. <laughs> One of the half top prospects. Matt, um, I'm just going to do a quick. Uh, if you got time, do a quick no, speed. Yeah. We'll do a quick speed round. Mm-hmm. Got a couple of prospects. You, th- I'll throw out a name. You, th- you tell me where you think he's going to go if he's going to get traded. Okay. Um, let's start with Jacob Middleton. Jacob Middleton traded to, I would say, Leafs. That's a, they, they, you know, for a team with limited cap space. Yeah. That, that sounds like a good fit there. John Klingberg. John Klingberg stays in Dallas. He's not going anywhere. JT Miller. Stays in Vancouver. Not going anywhere. Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel. (laughs) Break up the hot dogs. He's going back to Boston. That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. And I'll, uh, I'll finish off with uh, the big fish and Claude Giroux. Going to say Panthers. Going to say Panthers. Do you think Lekkonen gets traded? Yes. I know we said, yeah, you do? Yeah. 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 High five on that. I think so as well. I I think so as well. Yeah. And I I just put it out there to all the Lekkonen fans. Sorry. Yeah, it's not that we do now that we want him to get traded <laughs> he, he he is it's it's a um it's all the other contracts that they have yeah i i think i honestly right now i think that if they didn't have armia in that contract yeah. i yeah. think that they would easily be able to use that money to bring him back i i think he is the better player of the two he's obviously going to give you more on the offensive side and his two game his two-way game is uh is, yeah. is is really uh flourished and speaking uh, of Armia, just to jump in quickly his name kind of bubbled a bit to the surface over the yeah. past week if Hughes can pull that off that's the one that will impress me yes if he can move Armia and get something deep hell I'll take a second rounder for Armia at this point just to get his contract off the books yeah. you I know. would take an expiring contract yeah sure you know sure and just the expiring contract. Yeah. Like nothing yeah. else. Yeah. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you got a guy making six and a half that's not that's a UFA at the end of the season. We'll take him. We'll take him. <laughs> but, but but at this point, if they can move him, they can, might be able to keep Lekkonen. They yeah. could. 
They could. Right? So if Armia goes and Lekkonen stays, there's there. Hello, there's there's your big yeah. tip off yeah. right there. Because yeah. Lekkonen's going to want four, at least four million in a, yeah. in a new He'll contract. He'll get four. Yeah, he'd yeah. get four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot for a bottom six player. It is. It is. That's why, again, that's why whenever you bring that up and you made some four, then it's just like, ah, uh, yeah, I don't think that they're going to do that. So, especially when they want to be players in the UFA market, they need that. Uh, they need that money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what I'm going to be watching. I know we're looking further ahead here, guys, but yeah. that's what I'm going to be looking at. It's like, okay, we all know how tough it is to bring UFAs to Montreal. I mean, Tyler Toffoli being that rare notable exception, right? But we all know how tough it is to entice unrestricted free agents to come to Montreal. Um, so they've already got that against them. And now they're trying to do it when they've got limited cap space. So best oh, they of luck. Free up, they free up some cap space. I mean, they, and they sell the uh, play with Suzuki and Caulfield thing. You never mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It, it kind of blows the whole rebuild uh, theory out of the window. Well, I think, yeah, well, I, well, I think it's a little bit of impatience, impatience there because when, when uh, Jeff Gordon started his rebuild with the, uh, the Rangers, remember they didn't go after Panarin right off the bat in the first summer. Okay. They, they went after it the following year, I believe it was to kind of hasten the rebuild a little bit, but it also helped that they knew that they were dealing with a guy who wanted to come to New York. So unless you can find a top UFA who wants to play in Montreal, it's it's not going to be an easy thing to go. I think it's good. Hey, I think it's great that you 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 throw it out there. You throw that signal out there and let all other teams know. Hey, you know, let agents know. Hey, you know, we're we're willing to talk. We're willing to listen. But I tell you, if they can pull that off, that then it's just like okay, we we <laughs> we we may have the second coming of uh, Sam Pollock in the front office if they can pull all that off. But well, I'm I'm just impressed with what they've done so far. Yeah, and I believe in history repeating itself, and that's why I, uh, I believe, and I'm going to make the prediction now, well in advance, that they're going to sign Uberdo next season. He is their Panarin. Okay, <laughs> that'd be incredible. That's like, he's he's going to be mo- looking for money. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the most probably underrated player in the league. Mm. And they have a few contracts coming off the books, like Druin and somebody else coming off the books yeah. going into that summer. See, that's too. why I'm thinking next summer would be the best time to make the big splash yeah. but and we'll most see. of the free most of the good free agents this year are 34 years old Latang, right. bergeron like yeah. they're at the twilight or of you get career. a guy or you get a guy like klingberg who 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 will turn 30 when his new contract will kick in next season so yeah yeah, yeah. so those are those are guys that contenders need not yeah. not a team like Montreal. not a rebuilding team no no no, you want those guys in the 25 to 27 age range for those. Uh, all right. So I think that covers what we were, we, the time that you allotted for us. <laughs> we know I'm you're sorry that busy. I have to do that, man. I really yeah. am. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next time you guys have me on it. it that, yeah, to be like, ah, how long is the show? Yes, I can stay for the whole show. <laughs> well, we totally understand. I mean, it, yeah. it's a busy time. So it is. Yeah. Why don't you just let our listeners know where they can find you and your work? Okay, well, of course, there's my website, spectershockey.net. Uh, I also write for uh, the Hockey News, the daily uh, rumor roundup for them. I also write for Bleach Report. And if you're uh, here in, uh, in beautiful Prince Edward Island, I have a bi-weekly column with The Guardian, where our masthead is. We cover PEI like the do. 
That's our masthead. <laughs> That's our masthead. Look it up. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and if you're German, I also write for Ice Hockey Magazine. I have a weekly column with them as well. So there you go. That 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 pretty much covers it all. <laughs> all right. I, I I really appreciate you giving us your time today, and uh, thank you for coming on. Always a pleasure, guys. And and hey, listen. Yeah, maybe we can uh, do this again either during the playoffs because we won't have the Habs to talk about. <laughs> um you know and then that way i could spend like an hour or so and we can kind of go a little more in depth on what we can look forward to uh, in the off season for montreal sounds good thank you very much lyle and uh to our listeners thank you for listening and remember if you're talking about it so are we I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.